0: Uh, So today is the last uh, Sunday in our series, This is What We Do, where we've been looking at the first two chapters of the uh, letter written by James, the brother of Jesus. I I hope to get back to James next year. Sometimes his his letter is immensely practical, so helpful in so many ways. As we've been going through this series, I've been acknowledging some of the preachers I listened to who have helped shape the series. And again today, Rick Warren is an influence behind this particular message. Today, we want to talk about real faith versus fake faith that we need to make sure that we're living with real faith. You know all about fake, right? Jane and I often take a winter break in Mexico, and there's a a shopping district in uh, Playa del Carmen called Fifth Avenue. And on Fifth Avenue, I can buy a $10,000 Rolex watch for $100. And it looks identical to the real thing. I doubt any of us could tell the difference except that it happens to be a fake. And you can improve your body with fake nails, fake hair, fake teeth right, add fake tanning, and then go out and eat a burger with uh, like fake meat, fake cheese, and add fake sugar to your coffee. And then you can wear your fake designer clothes made out of fake leather and fake fur while you talk about fake news to your fake friends on social media with your fake identity right now I do get it there are some areas in life where fake work it's not all bad but when it comes to faith you have to have real faith to access God's promises of life now and forever with Jesus you have to have real faith to experience God personally in a way that truly transforms your life now and forever you have to have real faith to see your prayers answered now The Apostle Paul, he was concerned about faith, faith that rescues us from our sin. He says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And a lot of people in this new church that uh, Paul was writing to, they were misinterpreting Paul and thought that since you couldn't do anything, no works to help you get saved, that meant you didn't really have to do anything after you got saved. In other words, they embraced a faith that wasn't real, a, a fake faith. Oh, and saved means you have received the forgiveness of your sins from Jesus. You've invited them into your life as your leader and, and, and Lord. You have been rescued from death and hell to life everlasting. So saved means rescued. But to those people who thought that being saved by faith meant they didn't have to do anything after they were saved, James wants us to know that that's Fake faith, that fake faith doesn't save. Let, let's look at what James writes. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If, if one of you goes to them and says, Go in peace, keep warm, be well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is that? In the same way, by faith, In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there's one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Martin Luther, the father of the Protestant Reformation, struggled with this passage, and he wanted it taken out of the Bible. He missed what was really happening here. Paul and James don't contradict each other. They they complement one another. Paul is talking about how we get saved, how we become Christians. He's focusing on the root of our faith, our salvation, which is internal and unseen. James, however, is focusing on what happens after I become a Christian, after I'm saved. He's looking at the fruit of following Jesus, and that fruit is external and visible. So it's really two sides of the same coin. When Paul talks about works, he's talking about keeping Jewish laws in order to become a believer. He says, you can't do that. All that Old Testament law, all those religious works, hey, all of that stuff will not save you. This is what Paul means when he says that works won't save you. He's talking about the Jewish law. But when James uses the word works, he's talking about what happens after you decide to follow Jesus. He's talking about living and loving like Jesus because you are a Christian believer. So to help us understand what real faith is, James paints four pictures of fake faith for us. If we can understand fake faith... uh, Then we can understand and embrace what is real. You know, with money people, they say if you can understand the counterfeit, then you'll be able to pick out the real right away. So let's start with the first thing James wants us to understand. Number one, fake faith can be merely words, but real faith is more than just words, like much more than words. James says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Real faith is more than just saying a prayer. Prayer is great, but real faith is more than that. We have something that we call the sinner's prayers. There's various versions of it at its simplest. It's just God, be merciful to me, a sinner. It's a great prayer to pray, but faith is more than that prayer. Real faith, um, real faith that asks for God's forgiveness, it results in a changed life. Real faith always, always turns into action. In Canada, where church attendance is dropping, the the number of people who claim to believe in God is still really high, like over three-quarters of all Canadians. But that still doesn't mean that 28 million Canadians have real faith. Most don't. I mean, lots of people believe something, have some sort of faith. I I think uh, those country-western awards that you watch, and a singer might say, hey, I want to thank the man upstairs. Doesn't necessarily mean that they're a Christian. So James is saying, just because you say you have faith doesn't mean you really do. Jesus, by the way, said the very same thing. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do. Only those who do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Yeah, those are tough words. It's not just what you say, it's what you do. Real faith always turns into action. I'm thinking of a time I was driving in Toronto and someone for some reason didn't appreciate my driving and they flipped me the bird. I can't imagine why, but my wife tells me she can. Anyways, they drove past me and I noticed they had a Jesus Love You bumper sticker on their vehicle. Is that real faith? I think not. So what value is there in a faith that is words only? Uh, It's a fake faith. No value. It's worthless. Talk is cheap. So Real faith is more than the words I say. Okay, secondly, fake faith can be just full of emotion. Real faith is more than just the emotions I feel. Faith can include emotions, absolutely, but emotions alone are not real faith. Friends, you can be inspired, you can be emotionally moved, you can have a quiver in your liver and get goosebumps and never have real faith. I've been listening to uh, a podcast called The White Saviors. It's an in-depth look at the WE Charity scandal and the rise to fame and power of Craig and Mark Kielberger. Uh, They would do these, uh, what they called WE Days, that stirred up young people to an emotional religious fervor. Thousands of kids would pack these major sports arenas. The music would be pumped, the video powerful, the speaking was charged and inspiring. Kids got goosebumps, had that quiver in the liver, and they dedicated their lives and money to alleviating child poverty. I mean, that was good. The cause was great. But the sad truth is those kids were being manipulated as the Kielbergers built a vast empire for their personal benefit. Hey, if you want a really interesting podcast to listen to, listen to The White Saviors. It's just kind of shocking stuff. And I'm not saying that emotion and inspiration are bad. No, God gave us the ability to experience emotion and inspiration. He, he created us to get those goosebumps and that quiver in the liver. These are gifts from God. They can be part of our faith experience, but they are not a substitute for real faith. And sadly, they can be tools that are used to manipulate So, an emotional experience, yes, it often flows from a genuine experience with God. Our faith is emotional, but emotions alone are not real faith. I I like how one paraphrase of the letter of James puts it, suppose you see a brother or sister and they need food or clothing and you say to them, I wish you well, I feel for you, I hope you stay warm, I hope you eat well, but then you do nothing to meet their needs. What What good does your sympathy do? It's worth nothing. In the same way, faith, if it's not accompanied by action, that faith doesn't work. It's dead. That faith is dead and useless. There's a little sarcasm in James here, right? We run into a person, a friend who's having hard times, and what do you and I so often do? Hey, buddy, I feel for you. Hang in there, cheer up, keep your chin up. I'll pray for you. And while prayer is good, they need more than your prayer. They need you to do something. You can say all the good words, and yes, many of them are good, and and they're worth saying, I get that, but it's not faith unless you're actually doing something about it. A a third thing that James wants us to understand, it's a bigger deal in some churches than others, but number three, fake faith is only a doctrine to be believed. Real faith is is more than a doctrine that I want to debate. You can believe all of the doctrinal truth you want. You, you can make faith all about your mind. It's what I believe in my mind. It's an intellectual deal. It's a mental challenge. It's a theology to study. It's a, it's a doctrine to be debated. It's a dogma to be defended. These are not bad things, but they alone, without the actions that go with them, are not real faith. Your faith is just a lot of talk. I mean, you might debate doctrine passionately with others, but if it's all about conversation and not conduct, it's not real faith. So James, he imagines an intellectual objector and uses him as an illustration of this kind of fake faith. James writes, Another person might say, You have faith, but I do good things. Show me your faith apart from the good things you do, and I will show you my faith by the good things I do. Okay. Okay. Let me describe faith this way. It's kind of like love. I mean, love is odorless, colorless, it's weightless, you can't see it. Really, the same thing with faith. Or, how do I know if someone loves me? It's not just what they say, although we need to hear the words, I love you, but we also need to see the action. Same with faith. How do you know if someone has faith? James says, look at his lifestyle. Look at what she does. This is a, a bad illustration, but work with me on this. Faith is in some ways like calories, okay? Many of you are very aware of the impact of calories on your body. You can see a calorie, right? I mean, you can't see it, but you can see what it does, right? That's what I'm trying to say. You can see faith? No, you can't see faith. It's invisible, but you can see the results. Think about this. I mean, somebody as big as God can't possibly come into your life without changing you visibly, right? Right? It's just impossible for someone as powerful as God to invade your life and not change you in some visible way. The Apostle Paul says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. Okay, your life does not, you know, become new overnight, but with real faith, your life does become new over time. Right now, there are some in our culture who think the church in Canada is being persecuted and I get that we have varying viewpoints on how the church should be responding to the pandemic restrictions that we're under. The way I would put it is at this point in time, the church is not really persecuted. Certainly not in the way that we looked at last week as we prayed for the persecuted church worldwide. The, the church in Canada might be harassed but not persecuted. At least that's my perspective. But if we were persecuted, and, and that might happen, who knows, but here's the question you will often hear pre- preachers ask that, Actually, from time to time is a good question for us to ask. If you were persecuted and you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Take a look at yourself. Could people look at your life and say, I see the changes in their life, I see their faith in action? Because real faith always produces a changed life. So real faith is more than the words I say. It's more than an emotion I feel. It's more than a doctrine I debate. And number four, really, it's quite similar to number three. But fake faith is just a truth, I believe. Real faith is more than a truth, I believe. Now, Jesus did say, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And when he's talking about truth there, he's referring to more than just doctrinal truth found in the Bible. He's also talking about himself as the truth. But doctrinal truth is included in what he means. And truth is important but, you know, just truth alone, words alone, in that sense, is not enough. You must allow truth to transform who you are and how you act. So it's more about transformational truth that changes us, that Jesus himself will set you free. Here's how James put it, and once again, he's, he's using a, a little bit of, you know, sarcasm. James says, you say you have faith, for you believe there is one God. So that's truth, that's doctrinal truth, there is one God. James goes, good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? So James is talking about this guy who he thinks he's good because he believes the truth. I believe in one God. And James is saying to this guy, yeah, big deal. The devil believes in God. You do know that the devil is not an atheist and that you're not going to see the devil in heaven, are you? And the demons, those who follow the devil, they believe in God too. They believe the truth. You're not going to find them in heaven either. So, real faith. It's not something I just believe. It's not something I just have intellectual knowledge of. It's not just something I say. It's just not what I feel. Not that any of those things are unimportant, right? But real faith, according to the Apostle James, is something that I do. Faith is active, not passive. Faith is a commitment. Faith is a choice. Faith is an action. James sums it up like this. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. And then uh, James, he, he ends this little talk he's giving about real faith versus fake faith by giving us two examples of real faith. He talks about Abraham and Rahab, two Old Testament characters. The story of Abraham is a story of a guy who followed God without knowing where he was going to go, right? God told him, just head out in this direction. So Abraham's going to a place that he's never been before, has no clue what this place is like. He's choosing to trust God. He's acting in faith. He, he trusted that God would lead and provide. His faith was active, and yeah, God turned up and led. Later, Abraham was tested when God asked him to sacrifice his son Isaac. Now, now God had no intention of this ever happening, but it was a test, uh, and Abraham believed that if he did, as God asked, that God would actually raise Isaac back up to life. He believed this because Isaac was uh, the child that God had promised that the Jewish nation would, would come from. And so, in some way, I mean, this, this, this kid needs to stay alive, at least till he has kids, So Abraham just trusted God, and he was willing to do whatever God asked of him. Here's how James describes Abraham. You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And and get this phrase, and his faith was made complete. Key phrase, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. Friends, there isn't a better thing to be called than a friend of God. I mean, wow, that's a, that's a friendship that will last forever. Hey, I, I would love for you to become a friend of God today. If you're not sure that you're a friend of God, you can ask him and you can cross the line of faith. We'll, we'll pray for you at the, uh, we'll, we'll just pray that way at the end of the message. So would you think about it? Are you willing to become a friend of God? And then James gives us another story, Rahab. It's a spy story. Moses had led the children of Israel. Children of Israel, we'll get it right. Anyways, Moses had led the children of Israel out of Egypt. This was after 400 years of bondage. They're ready to go into this new land that God had promised to them, you know, the promised land. And there's a city there called Jericho. It's a highly fortified city. And and the people in that city... They're a little fearful of these Israelites marching up on them, and uh, they're ready to fight. So Israel decides to send in a bunch of, you know, some spies to check it all out. And, and uh, in Jericho, there's this woman uh, named Rahab. She's a prostitute, a streetwalker. Some of you know what she did. This, this prostitute risked her life to save the lives of the spies that have been sent into Jericho. She let them escape out of a back window down a wall. And because she risked her life to save God's people, God put her in the genealogy of Jesus. Rahab is one of four women who were uh, part of the genealogy of Jesus. And uh, back then, you were only supposed to have men in a genealogy, but it included four women, including Rahab, who was uh, not Jewish, who was a prostitute. And friends, you've got to get this. Rahab's faith was more important than her background i mean how awesome is that everyone's welcome nobody's perfect anything can happen rahab risked her life to save others she's showing faith in action our faith is demonstrated by what we do okay there's an old old illustration that preachers decade ago used to explain faith i've heard it lots and i've used it before And it's time to use it again. It's the story of a young man, a a, a famous tightrope walker, George Blondin. The Smithsonian Magazine called him the Daredevil of Niagara Falls. It's June 30th, 1859, and about 25,000 thrill-seekers have arrived by train and steamer and are dispersed on either side of the American or Canadian side of the falls. Canadian side, by the way, had the better view. They came came to watch Blondin walk a tightrope across the Niagara River right at the falls. So he gets to the edge, and he walks across, slowly across, and and when he gets to the other side, I mean, the the crowd just goes crazy, and they're jumping up and down, and they're shouting and whooping and hollering, and Blondin just raised his hand and said, Wait a minute, I'm going to do it again. And he turned around, and he walks all the way back. When he gets back to the other side, I mean, the crowd goes crazy again, and they're going, this is great, this is the greatest act we've ever seen. And he raises his hand again, he says, wait a minute, I'm going to do it one more time, and I'm going to push a wheelbarrow across. So he gets a wheelbarrow, and he starts putting it across on this tightrope across Niagara Falls. And he gets out in the middle and, and shakes a little bit, and the crowd goes, whoa! But he's in full control, he, he knows what he's doing. And he gets it over the other side. He lands it on the other side. And, and yeah, the people just go crazy. And and a man walks off t- to Blondin and he goes, Mr. Blondin, you are the greatest performer. I mean, just this is the greatest performance I've ever seen. And I, I believe you could do this a hundred times. I believe you could do this the rest of your life. I-, I don't think you'd ever fail. I believe in you. And Blondin looked at him and said, so you really believe in me, huh? I think he was American, so it's hot, not A. And uh and so the guy goes, yeah, oh, man, I, I've got faith in you. I, I know you can do it. Um, Blondin then turned around. He dumps whatever he had in the wheelbarrow, and, and he says, okay, buddy, you get in the wheelbarrow. That's the test of faith, right? That's the test of faith. Will you get in the wheelbarrow? It's one thing to say. It's one thing to feel. It's one thing to debate it. None of those things are real faith. It's one thing to claim you believe it, but will you get in the wheelbarrow? Our behavior shows what we really believe. And by the way, that believer, he didn't get in the wheelbarrow. (laughs) Although later on, on another occasion, uh, a, a Blondin carried a guy by the name of Harry Colcord on his back as he crossed across the falls. So where am I going with this? Here are some words from Paul. Examine yourselves to see whether you're really in the faith. I think this is a good time for us all to examine ourselves and ask if we have real faith or if after examining our faith it just might be fake. You talk the talk, but you really haven't gotten into the wheelbarrow. There's nothing in your life that shows that you're really a Christian. You're not much different than anyone else who doesn't believe. Have you stepped over the line of faith and become an authentic follower of Jesus with real faith that can be seen in your life? Today, I just want to ask you to invite Jesus to come into your life and to make a commitment to follow Jesus and allow him to lead and transform your life so that you become a doer of God's word, that you would be full of real faith. I'm going to pray in a minute, and you can pray this prayer with me. It will be a prayer of real faith, not fake faith, so would you bow with me and pray? Father God, I don't want to have fake faith. Just just tell them that. I don't want to have fake faith. I really want to trust you. I I want you to change my life for the good. I I don't want to just talk the talk and not walk the walk. I I want my life to be changed for the better by you. I, I, I I want my life to become what you want it to be. I want to learn to trust and follow you like Abraham and Rahab. Jesus, I give my life completely to you. In your name I pray, amen.